today was oh, not not a great uh, Twitter day. Wonderful <laughs> no. for me because I was barely on it. <laughs> yeah, no. Of all the days for this nonsense to happen, it has to happen before we do our podcast. It's like, come right. on. Now I'm all fired up. I want to fight everyone I love. It's like, come on. <laughs> That's what Twitter does. It makes you hate everything you love. Mm. Yes. Yeah. For people sure. make you hate things. <laughs> well, now I know how I'm going to open uh, the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> without further ado, five, four, three, two. One. Hello world is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. And everybody, it is the Happy Hour Podcast brought to you by no one in particular. It is uh April the nineteenth. Uh let's see. Uh we are a recording like around ten, oh actually ten thirty closer now, and the Boston Bruins have just defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs again. And the Washington Capitals slew the Columbus Blue Jackets four to one to tie up their series, and of course Boston is very close to eliminating the laughs unfortunately for Leafs fans and whatnot. So, yeah, apparently there was this guy that scored today for the Leafs, but I didn't remember his name. Kind of hard to pronounce. He had one hell of a turtleneck on, though. One hell of a turtleneck. It was so bizarre. I was like, oh, my God, what a... Mm. I never liked a turtleneck a, until I saw it on him. What a majestic turtleneck. Like, and he's the only just... guy on the team with facial hair. Interesting. I always... That's what I was going to ask. Does he have, like, a, a shadow or what's going on? It's like a half a goatee. It seems like, like he has a permanent five o'clock shadow, which is one yeah. of those things that I desire, but I'm never really good at getting. <laughs> so I'll have to ask him about it. So anyway, uh, my name is David OJ. I'm MetalDave01 on Twitter, and I am joined by Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. I'm joined by yeah. Beth as well. Hello. Mm. And I'm also joined by Ashley. Oh, Ashley? Ashley sounds super far away. A lot of, um, static. I'm here. Still <laughs> far away. No, I haven't moved, I promise. No, okay, now you're good. That's <laughs> okay, so weird, though. Very weird. It's, I need new headphones, is the answer. Okay, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll, um, we'll get a Patreon going and, um, we'll <laughs> have everyone supply it for you. <laughs> Everybody contribute four cents so I can yeah. buy my $10. Please. It'll work out. See, that's, that's, we're all about giving here. And that's exactly what the internet's for. But, um, yeah, let's see. Um, you know, this is, of course, a Habs podcast. But as the off-season, off-season goes on, as the spring turns into summer, we'll get very, very little Habs news. But we have some stuff to talk about. And I guess um, one of the great pieces of news that came out of Habs, you know, the Habs universe today or this week is that Charles Houdon is a new father again. Oh, he has two girls now. Right. Mm-hmm. Really? I missed that. Oh, yeah. Her name <laughs> is Crystal Faye. Oh, my God. Oh, Aww. my God. What a name. <laughs> Crystal with a K at that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Could it get any better? <laughs> so, buy. Crystal Faye Houdon. That's quite a name. <laughs> mm. so How old is he? Charles. I will look that up really quick, but he's not. He's like 24, I want to say. I think he only looks like he's twelve. He is. <laughs> he is twenty-three years he's... old, and he's the yeah, father he's of two. Yeah, he's younger than I am. And he has two little baby girls. Mm-hmm. Go with God, Jacqueline. Um, yeah, seriously. Can I, I like Houdon quite just a bit. Interrupt for one minute, Dave, because of course it's you actually may. his his fiance's name is Crystal Faye. 
Whoa. Their new Whoa. daughter is Hannah Grace. Fake oh my news. God. Ooh, damn. <laughs> I've been corrected. <laughs> big sister is big sister is Lia Hope or Leah Hope. I'm not sure how to say so it. Names. Is he trying to be more French? <laughs> his his last name's hyphenated, so maybe. Is it? Officially? Yeah, his his actual last name is Simard oh, Houdon. Wow, look, I just but actually, he leaves, I, was just I think he that. leaves him I guess he leaves part of it off for wonder, aesthetic reasons. That is I wonder if that's so like interesting. in in Chile, um, first of all, so tangent, but women or wives don't take their husbands' names. Which is the same in Quebec. Right. And in Chile, um, the children's last names are their father's last name and their mother's last name. Ah. So I wonder if that has, that if, makes if that, sense. yeah, if that has something to do with it. And I asked my mom one time about that because I was little and growing up in Canada. And she said, why would I change my last name just because I'm married? My name doesn't change. You know what I mean? Right, I thought it was right. Very, very progressive of my mother, who is otherwise a nun. To say. <laughs> <laughs> the only uh, frame of reference that I have to that aspect in my life is that when my mother was married uh, to some 10 ish years ago, the only thing that she had to say about the whole name change thing is that it's such a pain in the ass. And <laughs> I think that's. Oh my God. It's a logistical nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Having been married, I can say. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like any fun at all. But so that's no. a, that's that's one piece of really good news out of the Habs world. Um, the next piece, there's actually a few pieces of good news. Um, I think this is really cool. Charles Lindgren going to the World Championships to represent oh, yeah. the USA. Yay. Is he starting? Do we know the rest of the roster for the USA? No. No. Huh. I, have, I mean, I personally guys, don't. Beth and Dave. Why? We googling right now. Oh yeah, I guess I guess that would be our job, wouldn't it? But I think that's well-deserved. I think Ashley is still far away because I hear, like, a, a slight murmur every once in a while. I literally Who? haven't moved. Okay, there you are no. again. It's so weird. <laughs> She's there. I'm sorry. Oh, now you got all wobbly. Yeah, you did. You got really wobbly. That was like an effect, like a share effect. <laughs> did, you, did you pass through, like, a wormhole or something? <laughs> Wait, you talking about me? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just spend our entire podcast on a, on talking a... about everybody's microphones. <laughs> I have a really good microphone. And I you're the only one. <laughs> I don't know. I have a good microphone, too, actually. Yeah. This is one that's, like, on a stand with a freaking, uh, oh, my God, what the hell? Uh, one of those uh, three-pronged uh, plug Tripod? An XLR cable. So it's, like, a, the real deal. <laughs> So I don't know what happened. Maybe it's a connection <laughs> thing. But um, I'm not finding anything on the Team USA roster, unfortunately. I don't know if they've I announced it all yet or if it's still just piecemeal. But, yeah, I'm so excited for Charlie. I think that's a big step for him and really exciting to see what he can do. Yeah, I'm really excited for him. I'm glad that he gets to go, that he was invited. I saw that he's like a big um, country music fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Apparently, <laughs> what was it Kevin Chesney? He has to miss the show. Kenny, Kenny Chesney. Oh yeah, Kenny. Whoever. <laughs> See how much I know. You have a problems with K names too. 
Dave. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So last week, um, my boyfriend and I were in Vegas mm. for yeah, for my birthday. <clears throat> and I still haven't recovered my voice, so I'm going to sound weird tonight, but he, there was, we took a road trip and there was like, we were scrolling through all the music channels and there's like really, really good music, like radio stations oh, in the there States. Oh, really, really is, oh, especially in God. Vegas. Oh. oh, they're so good. There was one channel called The Groove. Oh, buddy. And <laughs> I was having so much fun on that channel it was like janet jackson um nasty and car wash and all of these songs back like back to back to back but at one point we said okay we've got to like try to listen to something else and so we looked at the list on this like ipad that we had in our car which i can talk about later if we need to like something to talk about but um there was a, a one station called the garth channel <laughs> and i made a joke and i said i bet it's all garth brooks mu music but when we switched to it it was actually all garth brooks music oh no a that's crazy station. that's pretty remarkable but i have to say the radio in the states is amazing well you know there's something that we have to brag about something in the united states so <laughs> at least our radio jockeys are pretty good i suppose and i have to also say that the roads in and around Vegas and all the way to, to Arizona are top notch. Oh yeah. See, that's actually, that's a funny thing because whenever I'm driving, you know, I drive to Montreal like almost every two months or so, or even more than that. And I'm on, it's, um, it's an interstate 87, the North way that goes into Canada and the roads are immaculate. Like even in like Podunk Town, you know, the roads are amazing, at least the throughway is. But as soon as I get onto Auto Route 15, it's like, oh man, <laughs> it takes a dive. <laughs> it's too bad I have to like start thinking about how I drive. But yeah, it's just infrastructure is kind of good yeah. out in the desert and in the Adirondacks, I suppose. Just don't go over There's any of our bridges. <laughs> so yeah, so... um. Charles Lindgren going to uh, the World Championships, and uh, that's going to be a good reason to watch Team USA play. Um, and then some other news coming out of the farm team. A couple big pieces of news, actually. One, the first one, which is going to be easier to talk about, is Chris Carey. Chris Terry. Damn it. The scoring yeah. leader in the AHL. Yeah. How awesome so is that? So exciting. Has, yeah. He had a great season. For sure. Um, was he ever called up this year? No. Mm -mm. Interesting. He's also like 42. Oh, is he? <laughs> He's really old. I, I, you're not I getting a mix-up with uh, uh, Adam Cracknell, are you? Mm, oh, maybe. But I, I want to say that Chris Terry oh, yeah, was not is... brought up because they kept him sort of as a veteran presence. He's and 29. It, yeah, he is. Oh. <laughs> so basically 42 by 42. hockey years. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that he, if I'm remembering correctly, which mostly I am not usually, um, he was called up a couple times last year. Um, I don't think he was anything special when he was up. So, I mean, you could, even though he's not 42, you could be right. He might have been kept there as sort of a, a veteran presence and to not deplete that team of literally everything decent. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's really, really exciting for him to have put up such a great season down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting thing. Um, I'm looking through Chris Terry's uh, play history, and he used to be an Albany River rat. That's pretty cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, um, so he was up for 14 games last year and yep. had four points. Um which, I mean, isn't awful, but he had 71 points in 62 games this year in Laval, which right. is incredible. Especially for Being the, the scoring leader. And also because of the team, you know, that uh, eventually the Rocket became uh, throughout the year. And that is going to probably lead very well into the next bit of talking that I think this is going to take up a lot of time with is uh, Savan <laughs> Lafave is out, finally, <laughs> for some people, have... but... A minute to brag that I called it last podcast. You totally did. I did. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Said they were out. Um, now we'll see if the rest of it comes true with the uh, assistant coaches uh, around Claude. But um, as much as I've heard so many positive things about Lefebvre as a person, um, you just you can't keep getting zero results and keep trying the same thing over and over again. So I do think it was time for a change. I'm excited about um, what this shift might mean and how they develop players. And um, I mean, it's just, it's got to be demoralizing a little bit for any of those younger players going to develop in this atmosphere of just constant losing down in the AHL. Yeah. I'm hopeful that it's a, a step in the right direction. Right. Agreed. I am too. Go ahead, Dave. Um, thanks, Veronica. You you're are, welcome. You're one of the best. Thank it's you my so pleasure. much. My pleasure. <laughs> so I'm trying to be quiet. The the conversation when it comes to the farm team, because I had a little like a minor spat with some of my uh, teammates in real life um, about mm-hmm. like the point of a farm team, and is the point of a farm team to win or to develop? And I know over the past few days, we've gotten a taste of what the mindset is in the Laval Rocket. And I believe that uh, Lefebvre, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I think it's Lefebvre, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So. Yeah, you got and, one. And Lefebvre. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the speech pathologist. Listen, I'll have you know, I took speech therapy for five years. So watch oh. yourself. We'll, I'll explain that another time. But. <laughs> so with Lefebvre, I believe if I'm not reading things incorrectly, is that Lefebvre um, favored development over winning strategies just to kind of do like a a black and white uh, to the mentality behind uh, running a team. And some people really rag on the the Rocket and before them the Ice Caps and not developing players. And that's that's such a weird stance for me to take because... If they didn't develop players, then where did Sherback come from? Houdon, Juleson, Lernow, you know, and McCarron a little bit. Granted, those are only, what, five names out of the entire roster <laughs> of players that could come up. But the thing is, all of those players I mentioned, with McCarron being kind of 50-50, are doing great with the Habs currently, and we're, we're lucky to have them. And I think that's something worth discussing because there's a lot of back and forth between what should the farm team be? Should they be running all the time? Should they be developing? Is the is it from the top down, like Bergevin down to Lafave saying, develop these players, or is it him saying, win the games? What's What could be going on? 
Well, I think that um, as far as the Montreal market goes and the Montreal fans go, um, the most recent sort of way to look upon this despectively is to uh, break it down by year and how many players have you brought up every year, how many players have you developed every year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Like literally down to the point of how many draft picks Totally. make it to the NHL and have a successful career, which right. is minimal at best anyway. But anyway, and when, carry you, on. when you're looking at other teams too, like how are they doing in that regard? But I mean, I think that uh, part of a, the product of having such a bad year in Montreal with the, with the NHL team this year um, makes everybody look upon this sort of super unfavorably. But when you're looking at um, the guys that have been developed and, you know, everybody that's with the club this year and was able to look pretty damn good in a pretty bad season for the pro, you know, club, uh, I think is really positive. But if you're... Uh, if you're going to go back and 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 say that these guys um, haven't been good and Lefebvre hasn't Lefebvre hasn't sort of developed them, it's you know I go back to a few years ago and and again it's with the sort of fan uh, uh, sort of predilection to blame uh, Mark Bergevin for everything which I'm sure quite sure he's happy to take all the blame for everything as he has demonstrated quite clearly in these past couple of weeks um he said a few years ago like about Lefebvre if you know uh, how am I going to fire him if the team hasn't done well in the AHL and I took all his players away you know this was in that really bad season that uh price went down with his knee and you know like how am I going to fire this guy and and Burge Van said it quite clearly in that press conference. I, I can't remember if it was in the postmortem or before that, but he said it quite clearly. Like sometimes, like you know, you got to sit guys out, et cetera, et cetera. And winning is not the is not the biggest deal in the AHL. It's the development. And granted, every expert inside and outside of Montreal has expressed sort of. Um, doubt as to how they do develop at the NH at the AHL level in Montreal, but um, you also have to sort of step back and be fair and see what's gone on. Like, how many players did Montreal steal from the AHL this year? For sure, I I agree, and I but I think the the overall trend, not to say that any that any of what you said is wrong um but i think it's been a pretty big overall trend um that they haven't been successful and that they haven't um i mean like you say development is the the main point but it's hard i think it's hard to develop when you're not maybe putting together a cohesive system and getting the best out of your guys if you were Mm -hmm. developing them as they should be developed you would assume that the team itself would have more success and yes, there's been a year here and a year there where the Habs have just had numerous injuries and had to take so many bodies from St. John's or from Laval. But um, there have also been years where they've been fairly healthy and they haven't had to take as much and there hasn't been a different result. So 
I mean, I, I get your point and I get his point too, but I think that there was just enough of the same thing happening over and over again that regardless of excuses at any point in time, um, it was time for a change. Right. And uh, that's a really good point too, because despite what I had said, the, the record clearly shows that even when the Habs were firing on all cylinders and not having to use the farm team, the farm team team was still pretty bad and uh <laughs> even when uh at least the record was pretty bad and whenever they made the playoffs you know they couldn't get out of the first round unfortunately so i mean you get into um that mo- uh, what's the word there <sighs> rat sort of <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. um you know that's been going on for the past five or six years with the fave uh behind the bench of, of like constant no results you know just result wise not even talk about the development aspect of it and at that point gotta wonder maybe it's time for a change and time to see what happens because um as we're all uh thinking that sure the hl you know staff is going to get a little bit of a shake up but this is all just a precursor we hope and you know think uh, is going to happen when it comes to uh the big club with the habs and seeing if uh, claude will uh get himself some you know, his own assistance. That has been the thing that has confounded me since he got to Montreal. Mm-hmm. It is really weird. And you sort of wonder what the reasoning is behind that. And obviously there has to be some kind of reasoning behind it. But, you know, the fact that he hasn't replaced any of his staff in Montreal, he's still playing with all of Michel Therrien's guys. Right. Um, I think we touched on it a little bit last week, but it made sense when he came in in February and there's such a little amount of time left. and He doesn't know anybody. Keep all the assistants and get to know the club and the boys and everything else. That's fine. I fully expected to come into this season with brand new coaches and I was baffled when we did. Yes. So I really hope and think that that's the thing that's going to happen this offseason. I think um, even more to that point, too, because I think it's totally true. Uh, you know, Claude comes in, you know, mid-season, last, last season, and he's getting his feet wet. He's getting a bearing for, you know, how are they coaching, what's going on, who knows who, you know, what systems are in place and whatnot. And then uh, they get to the playoffs, ousted in the first round by the Rangers, okay. So then Claude now has a training camp to himself, you know, and then he's going to have a full season to himself. So I can imagine he gave benefit of the doubt to the team that he had and saying, okay, let's see what we can do for a full season. And now with the results uh, as it were, or as it had happened, uh, despite, you know, all the other extraneous things like injuries and other stuff of that nature, uh, Claude's, Claude's probably figuring, yeah, maybe it's time for a change. And I think that when he went into um, training camp this season, it was just, it was almost like, like I try to put myself in his shoes and he also, <clears throat> pardon me, he didn't have a, um, he didn't have two of the players that he probably expected to have. And that goes back to what we've been talking about for weeks. And that's, you know, the the not being able to sign Markov or Radulov and sort of seeing what you've got and, and you go to make uh, Victor Mete, bless his cotton socks. Uh, you know mm-hmm. Weber's partner. So much cotton. <laughs> Weber's partner, and just kind of seeing what you've got. And I just, I, I, I almost felt like, you know, in hindsight, uh, 
considering everything that they went through in the off season, that it was almost like an experiment, that this whole season was almost like a training camp and oh, seeing who yes. brought it and who did not bring it. And it's sort of popular opinion that uh, some of the guys that they do count on did not come with their batteries in, as we say in Chile, to training camp. So, you know, I think that uh, Claude Julian had quite the experiment on his hands. And I think that every, they all just decided, let's see what we can do, you know? It does lend a little bit of credence to this, the theory about how weird this season was right from the start about just kind of a a write-off from the beginning and everybody kind of was treading water to get through this year. I just, I can't quite wrap my head around why, what the purpose is, what people were thinking. Um, but it, it just seems to be across the board, this really weird, well, let's just wait a year and see what happens kind of thing. Coaches, players, etc. So, I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't have any no. wonderful conspiracy theories. I don't, <laughs> um, I don't understand. I have this. Conspiracy theory. Yay. Oh. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, not really God. conspiracy. <laughs> but um, I was rereading um, a couple of the articles about Paul Byron's surgery. Yes, and, that is which something came to out, bring up too. Yep, yep. Um, in this last week. And he, I, I mean, of course, in the comments, everybody said, well, why did he play injured? Why did he do this, that, and the other? Why did he score these? 20 gimmick goals that don't mean anything in the end of the season instead of getting surgery that's going to keep him out six months blah, blah 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 but he said in an interview that a lot of people had injuries a lot of people were playing with injuries and maybe they were disclosed maybe they were undisclosed I don't know that was not said in the article and we know that there are people who were out for a few games and would come back and then would maybe get hurt again or aggravated and be out for a few more games and that was a consistent thing throughout the season um, that we saw so Maybe that's part of why the the season was a wash from um, from the beginning. I don't I don't think it's the whole reason, um, but I think it had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. It probably did, and also, I mean, we're not. At, uh, we sort of, at, at, speaking for myself exclusively, we sort of. Are, I'm sort of only exposed to uh, the sort of. Um, opinions and everything that come out of Montreal, but we're kidding ourselves if we're thinking that this is something exclusive to Montreal. Guys play hurt. They play injured. They play through injuries. They keep trying and everything else. I think that probably some of the fans are upset that uh, Paul Byron didn't take himself out of the play earlier so that we could tank even deeper, but I mean, these guys aren't the only people in it in the NHL who do this, right? But uh, I just think that if 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 we're talking about injuries and and uh, playing through it or taking yourself out or whatever, if if all of the guys who were hurt stopped playing, we'd be completely full of everybody's farm team in the regular season, <laughs> right? And right. I. You know, I understand. I, I don't think anybody in Montreal had any illusions about where they were going to land or or if they were going to make the playoffs or anything else. But, I mean, if I assume he has good doctors, I, I assume he cares to um, have good doctors who will give him an opinion of 
where, where, you know, if he should be playing or not. And they probably said, keep playing, get your 20 goals, get whatever it is that you want. And, you know, afterwards we'll go and have surgery and it's all good. He said it when he was asked about going to the world's he said that would not be good i don't think that would go very well over here kind of with the habs and that's you know he he alluded to that that he he was already injured and if he accepted to go and playing this it play in this tournament it wouldn't go very well to the guys who were paying his paycheck Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and more to um byron's uh shoulder uh shoulder surgery um I think we actually already spoke about it, but just the backlash about the information coming out. And this is probably going to get into the new era of media transparency or transparency with the media from the Habs about it. And so the Habs, so I'm going to talk specifically about that aspect. The Habs Twitter account announces that Byron had shoulder surgery and that he's going to be out for six months. Uh, out for six months, that brings him back sometime in October, November. So it's very possible that he could miss training camp. And that would be kind of weird uh, for Paul pa- for poor Paul Byron. Um, but the thing that kind of m- irked me a bit in the responses to that announcement is that people wanted to know what game it happened, you know, of course, and, you know, in extension that how long uh, he was injured for and such. And I'm not sure if I care Mm, that's what I, I don't either. Say. Yeah, I mean, I I'm really... sorry. I'm eating cheddar bunnies too. I know. Um, oh no, oh my god! It. Sorry. Are you interrupting me again? No, but I am. Um, oh. The, first of all, Dave, I feel like you should know by now that the number one rule on the internet is don't read the comments. Well, just you know you're what I'm not talking gonna, about. You're not going to learn anything. Talking um, about, don't read the replies. Talking about Twitter ever. in general. No, same. Yeah. Um, I scroll and then I get it, angry. I think the thing is, like, Veronica literally just said, everybody plays through injuries. If you oh, yeah. stopped at your first hangnail, then nobody would ever play more than three games a season. It's just, it's a fast game. It's a tough game. These guys are big, and they hit each other really hard, really fast. You're going to get injured. Um, so I think, as you say, you have to put your faith in the medical staff to say, no, this one's okay to play through, and it should heal. And, I mean, they're only working percentages. They only know what should happen and what should be okay. They can't control all variables, so sometimes it doesn't work out very well. Um, But I think that as long as the players have faith in the medical staff, then that's the way it goes. And the thing is, like, a shoulder injury, that's something that can wear and tear over time. It can get worse just on its own. I mean, and look at look at Brandon Prest. He played the last two seasons with the Habs with two pieces of duct tape keeping his shoulder together, like... You can play through shoulder injuries. It's probably not going to make it worse. It's just not going to get better on its own. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm really tired of people criticizing the medical staff. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're doing their best with an imperfect system and imperfect patients who are going to want to play through most things, um, and they can only re- rely on what's being reported to them. So, I don't know. Do you I'm, know that? I'm sorry. I'm I'm happy that that Paul Byron is getting surgery and he can be even better. And now he can score 30 goals next year. Duh. With his brand new shoulder. And plus it <laughs> looks like one of the head doctors for the Habs looks like Doc Brown from back to the future. And I was really excited about that. Oh my God. Like he just has the hair. Just... 
but um, I just I just don't know his name. I saw him for one. I like when when poor Philip Deneau got the shot in the head uh, from Shara there. Like they had a you know they went over to the bench with the camera, and yeah, this guy that literally looked like he was hunting down Marty McFly was about to get on the ice to help out, but you know <laughs> it didn't work. And I was like, oh my god, I would trust that guy in my life. <laughs> Well, I, I actually went and when all this sort of brouhaha in Montreal happened um, after it was announced that Shea Weber had this, um, was going to undergo this surgery or had undergone this surgery that was going to keep him sort of immobile for six months. And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, my God, it's only going to be four months because it is Shea Weber because, you know let's be real. He's going to heal a lot faster than anybody else would with that injury. But, um, I actually went and researched the IR list for the NHL and bringing it back to Paul Byron. I cannot tell you, like I'd have to count on both hands and both feet and all of my dog's paws, like all of her little paw tips. Um, how many guys were out with a shoulder injury and season ending shoulder surgery so this is kind of i mean when you think about the muscles that are used when you are shooting the puck it's not too shocking but it's hardly unique to paul byron well and the other thing is certainly like like when when the big hits are happening it's shoulder to shoulder a lot of the time and Mm -hmm. literally the shoulder is the most poorly constructed joint on the body it literally it's like a dove's nest have you ever seen a dove's nest they like tape two twigs together and call it a nest (laughs) that's all your shoulder is it's a piece of garbage it's amazing they can do what they can do damn lazy (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's the worst of course it's the one that's gonna like you say it's got wear and tear it's got the forces from injury or from hits and things like that of course it's gonna cause injuries so like I said, I'm just tired of people blaming the medical staff for things that are naturally going to occur in a tough sport. And Certainly. like it's unique to Montreal. It's tiring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it only happens to Montreal ever. <laughs> I was I was I was halfway today, I was thinking to myself when I got back from work, I was halfway motivated to look at the Habs AHL history with like with the picks that they select, the the people that were caught up in everything, and compared to like the Penguins, for instance, because you know the Penguins have a good thing going currently, and I just didn't have the motivation mm-hmm. because I was just like, "Wilkes Bear Scranton, those guys are always, or those guys are usually consistently good, and whenever they bring one of those guys up to the Pens, like for example on their back end for the Penguins, because who the hell plays defense for the Penguins that anyone can name off the top of their head, aside from." Uh, well, didn't they trade their whole defensive line after over the summer? I mean, all of their defensive line after the summer. Oh, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. I don't know. They traded a lot of people away after their last cup. Maybe. Anyway, sorry. I don't recall. <laughs> no, but I, <laughs> I pretty much I pretty much said that to say that I didn't do it because I just don't care all that much. Gotcha. <laughs> That's all. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, well, I mean, it is your fault. It's all my fault, completely. <laughs> Jeez. But if we're gonna if we're gonna be talking about the AHL teams or the farm teams, I wanted to sort of bring it back to Lefebvre mm-hmm. and to the fact that he was relieved of his duties this week, and that it, it kind of, I mean, it's it's sort of two pronged for me. I think that part of it was um, this is Mark Bridgman's year to blow it all up and kind of his last chance 
I mean, certainly because yeah. he's in Montreal, it is quote unquote his last chance. If he were in other markets, it would not necessarily be. But um, the fact that he is, you know, having given Lefebvre so much rope in the past few years and and making this change now, I think that it's sort of. Uh, Again, sort of twofold. It's a sign of things to come and also a sign that he's sort of said this is going to change and sort of building on what we were <clears throat> saying in the last podcast. And that was that um, Molson said things are changing this year and he wasn't just bullshitting. So that's, you know, that's the beginning and that is the thing that kind of has me nervous and excited because that's just the beginning. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, now we're just kind of waiting patiently to see who's going to come next. I wonder if there's going to be more news coming out before the draft or after the draft or just whenever because it's only a long time until October. <laughs> well, as far as staff goes, I think that they have to basically wait kind of to see who's eliminated eliminated in the playoffs and sort of towards the end of the playoffs and see who's available as far sense. as coaching staff, right? Yes. And Brisbane said as much when he was interviewed last week. But um, as far as players, like we're not going to be hearing anything and we're not going to really know anything, like anything at all until the draft lottery next Saturday. Oh and my seeing God, where that we're is picking, next week. Right? Yes, right. Oh my God, it's next Saturday. I have to work. Oh <gasps> my God. I mean, it's only going to be like 15 to... minutes, but yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's going to be like on during an intermission of a game, whatever, whoever's playing on Saturday. Oh, God damn it. Maybe it'll be, I think I work the night shift, so maybe it'll be during one of the random afternoons. I think oh, they won't have you. You've been coughing, haven't you, a lot, Beth? I think you're probably oh, yeah. having a fever, but yeah, I hear something happening. Oh, Okay, I thought you guys were making fun of me. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not this time. Jeez. Can you hear Lucky drinking her water? No. Your okay. microphone's not that good. <laughs> oh, okay. Jeez. I'm worried. Give her a, give her a cheddar, bunny cheddar bunny. Like, give her a cheddar bunny. Let's see what happens. <laughs> a big crumb cheddar bunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess uh, you know we'll have to see how the how the playoffs uh, shake out, what coaches are available. And then, um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll have to wait until after the cup is won to see if anything else happens. But with that being said and the cup being won, something that I forgot to mention last week, and I was kicking myself all week for not mentioning it. Um, guys, uh, all the hosts here and everyone that signed up that listens to us, thanks for taking part in the happy hour bracket. Um, I was actually just <laughs> yeah, looking thanks, over guys. how that's going right now, and we got we had twenty four <laughs> people. Out. We had twenty four people uh, sign up, and Veronica is definitely out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I mean, unless the Caps win I the cup, the Kings. Yeah, exactly. That was the thing. Yeah, poor Veronica picked the Kings to make it to the Stanley Cup final, beating oh, no. <laughs> beating Winnipeg. Really? Did I? No, I thought no. The uh, the Capitals are gonna win. Yeah, and beat L.A. Right, right. But like you had, the so I you had the conference finals as Winnipeg versus the Kings, and the Kings winning. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> bold move, Cotton. <laughs> See how it works um, out. But um, can can I just say that I'm tied for first? Yes, <gasps> that you are. 
There is yeah. a one, two, three, four, five, six There's way tie. <laughs> but Wait, how first. do you tell? Oh, so yeah. I'm looking at the website, so I'm not looking on mobile, but on the website, oh. you can go to okay. the bracket challenge and you tap or click on the happy hour league and you can see how the results are going right now. I'm in like a eight way, 10 way tie for third right now <laughs> for some reason, but yes, no. <laughs> so I just wanted to thank everyone for uh, taking part of that because I think brackets are fun and the NHL makes it easy to, you know, put one together and um, yeah, hopefully it uh. We'll see who wins. And, oh, yeah, that was the other thing, too, and I'm, I'm about to surprise everyone right now. Um, whoever wins the bracket, I was just going to give them a shout-out on the podcast if they wanted to, you know, have us say a message about something, anything, we'll say it within reason. That's a great prize. So if anyone wants to, like, I sell like something, yeah, please do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Personally, I'm looking at my bracket. I'm looking pretty good right now. I'm liking it. What did you pick? I had the Pens winning a three-peat, mm. which is, and that's a bit of a stretch because if the Pens, because I, I do have the Pens making it to the final, but at that point, it'll be either between Winnipeg or Nashville, and that was the big uh, decision for me, and I didn't know how which way to go, but I really think Winnipeg's got it over Nashville if they meet. So with that being said, Winnipeg would defeat either San Jose or the Knights, which the Knights, oh my God! I think, I think, and I hope to God that they beat the Knights, just because it would make no sense if the Knights win it, and then it'd be Winnipeg Pittsburgh for the final. And I thought that'd be a very good final. Well, what I don't get is how everybody keeps thinking that the Knights would make no sense. So, okay, okay, <laughs> let's let's talk about that aspect. I know it's not Hab stuff, but the yeah. Las Vegas Golden Knights are were enig were an enigma at the beginning of the season. They were killing people at the beginning of the season. It's like, okay, this is a an, an abomination or something like it's an aberration rather. Mm -hmm. But then they're top of the league midway through the season. We're thinking, oh, there's no way they can sustain that. Then they win their division. Right? Going into the playoffs. And even then, and I remember when I went to the to the recruits uh party over the weekend when the Habs had their last game I had people at the bar saying there's no way that Vegas can get out of round one and they sweep the Kings and I'm what? like oh my god this is absolute anarchy because now I'm thinking yeah who knows actually I have Vegas going to the conference finals I will tell you what I was in Las Vegas yes, last you were. week yes you were and um, you went we to a went game we went to a game and Tell us about I went it. to two games. Basically. I almost went to two games. <laughs> mm. Double OT and little secret. Uh, it went to double OT and the previous night we'd had exactly four hours sleep. And at one point my boyfriend had to wake me up and he took a picture of me Aww. when I was sleeping, which Aww. was very flattering. Um, but so I went to this game and I will tell you, first of all, when the season began, I think that we're also conditioned to sort of, uh, our experience with expansion teams is they're never good to start with, right? Oh. Like they have to sort of get there. Yeah. I have <laughs> something to say about that, but continue. Get their traction. And, um, but like I was thinking, so these guys picked the best available guys from every single team in the league. And you think that they're going to suck? 
that I never understood. But when I went to the game, and I don't know if that's if if they did the same thing when you went to the game in Vegas, Dave. But before the game, and I don't know if they show this on TV, but they show a video to the crowd that lasts about three minutes long, and it is all sort of a montage of the experts and analysts and you know like the stats experts and everything talking about how they're going to be bad and hilariously bad and whatever and Vegas doesn't have a prayer and aren't they cute etc cetera, etc cetera. and they they show this to the crowd and the crowd is pumped like that whole city that whole fan base and that team I am convinced is sort of pumped by how everybody thinks that they're shit or everybody thinks that they're going to be bad and they're, that they're not going to get anywhere in this season. And it is totally motivation. And I think that like, I, I'm quite sure that like, if you look at Gerard Gallant, the way that he was treated when he was fired from Florida mm-hmm. last year, and it was, that was absolutely despicable what they did to him. And I think he just goes in there and he goes, look at what everybody's saying about us. And none of your teams wanted you. All of your teams made you available and we're all here. And we're like the Island of Misfit toys. And Let's go out there and show them what they can, what we can do. And I think that um, the video started off with the Vegas Strong stuff as well, oh, which yes. I had completely. It's it's it seems like so long ago that that sort of horrible tragedy happened, but I think it galvanized them even more. And like I'm telling you that the the mood in that building and sort of the certainty among that team, it, you can feel it. I, I think it's a really valid point. As I keep harping on, you guys know how I feel about the mental aspect of sports. Mm-hmm. I think it weighs way more heavily than anybody thinks. Um, but like you said, I guarantee you every single player in that room is playing with a chip on their shoulder because their team said, eh, we don't want you. We don't care mm-hmm. if you're gone. And um, of oh. course, as a professional athlete, you're going to be out there to be like, no, you know, Fuck you guys. I am worth keeping and you should have. And I'm going to make you sorry that you didn't. Every single one of them is going to be out there to prove that. And I think when you've got that many guys playing that way, it's like a team full of Brendan Gallagher's who wouldn't want that. Yeah. And another thing that I was reading today or yesterday um, about Vegas and their success is that all of their players are guys who are playing 10 minutes a game. They weren't getting long shifts. They weren't, mm-hmm. they, there was no faith in them. They, there was no trust in them. And so now they're getting, um, they're getting more responsibility on the ice and they, that, that fuels their fire. That causes them to play to their actual best ability instead of just, oh, well, I'm only going to play this really small shift. I'm not going to do anything impressive in that short amount of time. So why should I give 110%? That's such a good point, Beth. I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about with like Nicholas Delorier and Paul Byron and Dale Weiss and all those guys in Montreal. So yeah, that's a really great point too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it, it also sort of ties into um, what's been, you know, sort of widely mocked in Montreal for the past couple of weeks. And that's the word attitude. Like, 
the, the mentality that these guys have is, I mean, they're obviously really talented, but are they so talented that they hardly ever lost at home and they just swept the Los Angeles Kings after hardly scoring any goals in the first round of the playoffs? Like this has to do with the, the, the mentality and, and sort of everybody being on the same page, which is such a cliche, which is so hated in Montreal, but it's true. Oh, like, for sure. They're sort of I mean, embodying this. But also the Kings are terrible. But that's a separate podcast. They weren't that terrible that night that I was there for like 125 million minutes. <laughs> I just really dislike them. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I don't blame you there. I have a strong. That was dis- a statement from the heart. I have a strong distaste for any Western Conference team because I'm a homer. But um, <laughs> the the thing that I think we've been alluding to as well, and you know, all valid points in regards to the Knights, but something else is that. Um, it is fascinating to me that Gallant has been able to put together such a scary-looking team out of, you know, they've never played together, those guys, which is, that's the thing that really, really sticks out to me uh, with the Knight story is that they got a group of people together that, you know, okay, they may have played together at some point in their lives, but, you know, not at this level as a, you know, a cohesive NHL team. And Gallant got those kids together, and, yeah, they're roaring. They're really good, and I th- I find that to be incredibly impressive. And I believe it's you know Gallant giving the you know the big fu to um, the people that doubted him in uh, Florida. That doesn't surprise me at all. I liked him so much when he was in so Montreal, I. and I was so sad to see him go. Um, so I'm really really happy to see him having some success in his first year here, especially after the whole Florida debacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's sort of. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say sorry. Excuse me. I was just going to say. You are excused. Thank you. <laughs> With um, when he was fired, that was after a, a playoff run too, wasn't it? I think so. It would didn't he get fired in like December? Oh really? Yeah, they had just lost a game. I think it was Carolina. Ooh, and they dog is yeah. happy. Yeah, no, she's growling about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's grouchy at me because I'm trying to make her be quiet. Um, so <laughs> I would not be surprised. I think it's like the, oh, my goodness. Um, I think it's like the sort of movie enthusiast in me and uh, thinking that, I'm, you know, just picturing Gallant walking in there and going, the you hear what those guys are all saying about you? They all think that you're going to lose. They all think that we're going to lose. None of your teams wanted you. My team didn't want me. We're all here. Let's see what we're going to do. You know, I think that that is like just building on it again, Ashley, that um, that has a huge part to do with it because everybody who makes the NHL is worthy of being in the NHL. Everybody who makes the NHL is, you know, is a hockey player and very, very good at playing hockey, but getting everybody on the same page and having, having everybody sort of buy into the mentality, that is also a huge skill. And I give a ton of credit to Gallant because I mean, he obviously his GM picked the best player that he could from every, from everybody else's team. But uh, I think it, it is uniquely, it, it probably his best acquisition was Gerard Gallant. Yeah. And, um, and just so, sorry, just so everybody knows, uh, Gallant was fired in November. Of, oh, thank uh, you. 2016 that Florida wow. had gone 11, 10 and one to start the season. 
and he was fired Mm -hmm. then. But that was after um, Florida had had their most successful regular season with 103 points just the year before. Yeah, wow. They had a a first-round playoff exit, but um, their most successful regular season had a rough start, and they kicked him to the curb. So just an FYI. Thank you for looking that up, too. That's really Mm -hmm. important. Thanks, Ashley. Um, Something else to mention with the Golden Knights and their success, especially in the playoffs, is the brilliance of Marc-Andre Fleury. Because, and I'm going to say it, and I'm sorry. I love the guy, (laughs) but I'm sorry because I have to say it. His playoff track record is not phenomenal. But with the Knights, oh, my God, he posted like a 9.77 in that series. That is astronomical. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, kudos to Marc-Andre Fleury for you know, getting his, you know, getting his mojo in for, you know, his new team. It's very cool. And he just seems like such a wonderful person. Oh, I he know. does. I mean, that's why my How mom dates him. So. Him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to cheer for him. He's just, he just seems like such a genuinely nice person. And to see him having success when he um, threw himself on the sword, so to speak, for the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really, really nice to see him having some success in his new digs. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. all. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think now. Since I was going to add something that I, I, I thought of when Ashley uh, sort of pointed out to us that Gallant was fired in November. Oh, go right ahead. After making the playoffs, it just—it's the the old staying the course that everybody hates to do at like, you know, fan bases and, and, and analysts and everybody are sort of so against, but like, look what happened. You dumped this guy the first chance you got. And there was a lot of sort of, I remember in Montreal, there was a lot of approval around that because um, uh, Gallant was sort of the anti stats guy, you know? And, and so sort of when all of the stats, yeah, the stats enthusiasts in Montreal were sort of totally behind the firing and well, 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 like if he's not going to do what his boss wants him to do, they're totally justified in firing him, etc. Yeah, let's but, just see how Arizona's doing this year. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, there there was a lot of approval uh, uh, around firing Galante in Montreal and it just it's just like you know stay the course see what you've got and look at what he's doing now right like obviously again he does have a lot of talent in Vegas but these guys uh, seem to believe in him I think that speaks quite heavily to Mark Bridgman's philosophy that he keeps reiterating that he's he's not going to make a panicked move and he's not going to deal from a place of weakness and he's very much going to like you say, stay the course and see what happens and not make that panicked move because, well, look how that turns out usually. Yeah, and 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 one of the faults that he has is his quote-unquote loyalty. And, I mean, again, I do think that that sort of is off the table this year because they have sort of, I do believe that they've had the realization that, uh, you know, of what did go wrong and what's not working and what they need to do and what they need to do differently. And I think that there are, you know, a lot of sort of uh, heads are going to roll this season. Um, I hope not so much player wise that that remains to be seen because we can't really know sort of what we're going to do until we know 
until we know where we are going to be drafting um, after the lottery. But until this year, I think, I know she's so grouchy. Oh my God. Can you hear her? (laughs) Um, A little bit. Only a little bit. Until we know where that's gonna go, we we don't really know what's gonna be happening with the rest of the with the rest of the things. But um, you know, Lefave went first, and what was the other thing? Something else happened this week, and all of the cynics in Montreal are saying, "Oh, those are all the big changes that are gonna be happening in Montreal this year." Oh my God, hold on to your hats because that's not even close. What else was it? It was Lefave and something else. It was a staff. What? Was I it- can't even remember. They changed hot dog vendors. <laughs> They're going to have bigger <laughs> hot dogs and better beer. And they fired Lefebvre. Better beer? Did you just say that about Jeff Molson's team? <laughs> or maybe maybe bigger beer or cheaper there beer or something. But the fan experience is going to be changed. Oh, yeah. And that they, they're not raising ticket prices. And uh, right. that was like another thing. And then, yeah, the fan experience. That made me scratch my head a bit. Because, I mean, obviously, Molson went to Vegas. And he's like, oh, we might, yeah. have, we might have to step it up a little bit. Because, I mean... I mean, Veronica, you know, when I went to Vegas, like, what was the halftime show or the intermission shows for for the periods? Because when I went, it was number one, Cirque du Soleil, and second intermission was the Blue Man Group. What did you get? Well, uh, okay. Okay. Um, True confession. Uh Uh-oh. We sort of, we were having, like, we were partaking in a lot of the beverages. Ah. And I don't totally remember the intermission shows because I, oh. I, I did leave my seat. <laughs> but I will tell you that during the commercial breaks, there was like cheerleaders and like a band that had their all their suits were made completely of lights. And I don't know. I just had the best time. I had the best time at that game. And everybody that was. Oh, and there's something else, too. Uh-oh. I think that um, <laughs> I think that. Um, well, when I was going up to my seat, when I got there, there was a guy behind me who had like this big Santa Claus, um, beard and I started talking to him and he was wearing a Los Angeles Jersey. And I was like, Hey, you know, like, Ooh, sorry about your team. And he's like, I'm so sort of surprised that we're so underrepresented. I've never been to a playoff game where the Kings have been so underrepresented by the fan base. Really? So that was kind of huh. interesting. I will say I am really impressed having I have not watched any Knights games until the playoffs, but I am wholly impressed with how loud and ruckus and excited all their fans are. Like they <laughs> have just jumped behind this team and I kind of really love it. Oh. I Vegas. I have a friend from high school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I have a friend from high school who um, has d- got into hockey this season because partially because he knows that I like it and he could talk to me about it. Oh, really? But he lives he lives in <laughs> Vegas. Listen, he lives in Vegas because of his job, and he's lived there for a few years. And he was telling me he was like, the people here that have lived there their whole lives are excited so like solely because they get to have a team here that somebody had faith in the market it's like with it's like the story with the players that people underestimated all the players for the team people underestimated the fans for the team and both groups showed everybody wrong yeah uh, like the, like the, seriously this guy he never had any interest in hockey whatsoever before the golden knights were a thing and now he's always messaging me about the playoff games 
and mm-hmm. how excited he is to watch them mm-hmm. and how how excited he is to witness the history and what, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That it's sort cool. of really inspiring to get behind them. They're my team right now, by the way, in the playoffs, besides the Boston Bruins until Saturday. I mean, <laughs> thank God they got rid of that awful Twitter guy. Number <gasps> one, yes. Yes. That guy was but, the absolute worst. And I think I'm pretty sure he's the guy behind the Stanley Cup uh, account now. Which yeah, I we can't that. prove, but I saw Our a few of Our friend Alana like, told me that it's not the same guy. Oh. Okay. So I just oh, took she, her word for it. Yeah, she would know too. Hi, Alana. She totally knows. Hi, Alana. Good luck to um, the Preds, I guess. Uh... <laughs> how does she? Oh, that's right. She has connections. Yeah, she's connected. Yeah, I don't know how she knew, but she sort of tweeted me one day when I went, oh, my God. Now I'm not even going to be able to follow the NHL account. But she said it was not the same guy. Damn. So it's just another douchebag. So, ladies, I have something else to bring up about all of this. And that uh, we're out of time. So we have to start getting to... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so we have to start talking about our favorite things from the week. Oh. And I'm not it. Not it. I gotta think. Um, My favorite thing from the week. Oh, wait. I have one. Okay. Uh, Brett Connolly from the Washington Capitals is a gem uh, for giving that little girl, I think her name was Keelan. Oh, good call. um, (gasps) Yes. For for making sure that Keelan got a puck because those two guys were those two little boys were not her brothers and that guy was not her dad. Her dad was standing further up in the stands, so there was more space for the children by the glass so they could get pucks from the players. And Brett Connolly saw the video and everybody responding to his um to his effort to make sure that she got a puck. And so he, his wife reached out to Keelan's mom. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting her name wrong. I can't remember it for sure off the top of my head. Um, but he reached out to her mom over Facebook and is sending, um, is sending her some gear. And then the uh, Capitals owner <gasps> offered her family his glass seats for the next game. The next yes. game. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. That is and, she, and she and she plays hockey. That oh, that's awesome. She does. She plays hockey too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Keelan Moxley. 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 Oh my god. Perfect. Oh, what a <laughs> Moxley's <name>. got Moxley. <laughs> oh, Moxley. How great. I mean, you're not a Habs fan, but thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being awesome. And I have a favorite thing too. And unfortunately, it's not Habs related either. But uh, Beth no. reminded me of the Caps. And that was Lars Eller. Oh, that's right. Scoring, his, yes. scoring the goal in the double overtime. That is one guy that I always had a soft spot for. Oh, me too. He mm-hmm. always, right? I mean, he always uh, represented the Habs with pride. And after he walked out the door, he never disrespected the ch even once and Mm -hmm. so i have a ton of respect for him and one of my favorite things when he was a hab was to see him smile and it was so great to see him score that like super important goal in that overtime game the other day the second overtime and um it made me really happy really like the guy i'm really happy for him yeah that was really great i'm gonna go next because my 
favorite thing for the week actually involved Lars too. Um, <laughs> so it's tangentially Habs related. But um, this is the story actually my dad just told me last night. Hi, dad. Um, Hi. Get a shout out because you listen to this every week. Um, <laughs> so he was telling me that I forget who it was on the Washington Capitals, but like comes up with the most creative and ridiculous nicknames for everybody on the team. So, I mean, you know, the standard hockey nickname is like the last name with a Y on the end or something silly like that. But he, I forget who it was. I wish I could remember what was coming up with all these crazy nicknames and they were sticking and they called uh, Lars the tiger. And it it really stuck and he liked it. And it was to the point that everybody was calling him the tiger. And like when he scored a goal at home, they would play eye of the tiger. Um, And like, he was really excited about this nickname, right? Because it's a pretty badass nickname. That's badass. For sure. And then the Capitals trade for Devante Smith-Pelly, who walks into the locker room and says, hey, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) And now everybody's calling him Larry again. So while I'm a little bit sad for Larry, I kind of really loved that story because it was just so sitcom-y. Like you get this badass nickname, you think you're just a shit, and then not you're Larry again. So. All because of DSP. Damn yeah. it. Oh, DSP with the assist too the other night. That's right. That's yeah. right. So some former Habs helping out. And people yeah. should get over it because they're not on the abs anymore. But thank you very much for noticing. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, unfortunately, I'm going to take the somber route uh, when it comes to my favorite uh, deed of the week. And this is going to go out to Brandon Gallagher. And uh, for being uh, a little bit more vocal on Twitter, at least, not to like shame any of the other players, but Brandon was really out there for the Humboldt uh, fundraiser and yeah. the tragedy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was... Um, top-notch classy moves by uh brendan gallagher the other players that contributed in the habs in general and um yeah i was uh really happy to see that and i'm really happy that the fundraising uh went so so incredibly well for the people out in uh, saskatchewan and all their families so i was really happy about Mm -hmm. that did you see that um Brendan Gallagher donated eleven thousand. Yes. 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 Sure. That's yeah. Oh my <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's not nothing. That's I love him. Yeah. Very amazing. I am going to send him a tie for his birthday. Ooh. And instructions on how to tie it. <laughs> no, he knows how to do it. Dave, I no, sent a you clip on. video. He doesn't. Yeah, just a clip on. Oh, he... God, send him a clip on. Send him the ones oh, that's my actually God. an elastic that goes around his neck. <laughs> oh my gosh! Have... Like a toddler. <laughs> Have you guys not seen that video where he like gives a like shows like what he does before he leaves the house for a game and he oh, shows you his now. little like tie closet? Nice. And he talks I have about not how all that. of his I remember he that. inherited I know. oh he inherited all of his ties from his grandfather. Oh, and he wears them and it's so cute. And I was like, I'm gonna send him a tie for his tie collection. <laughs> That's such a good idea. It's really yeah. adorable. I like it. So if anybody ever wants to Send Brendan Gallagher a, get Brendan Gallagher a gift. Send him a tie. He will probably tie. love it. <laughs> and that's all the time we have today. Uh, so remember, guys, uh, when you're listening, please, um, you know, give Brendan Gallagher just a box of ties because he will obviously love it. And um, thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you, thank everyone you. on the podcast, thank for you. saying things that we all love. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> like, can you phrase it? Oh, I
time. 